I just love the song we just sang where it said, you know, God is the God of the present and the God of the future. He's with you in all seasons, that we can be confident in everything we go through. Sometimes the seasons seem tough and sometimes the seasons seem hard, but no matter what, God is still with us. You know, God is preparing us for something way bigger than we can even imagine. You know, there's people here that's been praying for years for things and God is going to do it in due time. You know, it is the faithful, you know, he wants to see our faithfulness. Because prayers will be answered, you know, in due seasons. So, the title of the message tonight is called, The Road Often Traveled. We're going to talk about Acts chapter 9. The thing is, is no matter what, every day in life we travel down roads. You had to come down a road to get here, you know. Roads are used for transport, for travel, for trade, you know. We travel down roads all the time. We don't even know what some of the roads in front of us hold. You know, some roads are smooth, well-maintained. There's not a lot of potholes. You know, some roads have beautiful backdrops. You can go down some roads, and there's beautiful mountains and beautiful landscapes. You know, other roads are winding and bumpy and have curves, and the sides are overgrown. And then, you know, some roads lead to the middle of nowhere. You just keep traveling west in Texas, and you'll get to the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you know, some roads even go up the sides of mountains, muddy, full of potholes. But the fact remains is... Every day, people use roads. They travel down these roads. Even seasons of life lead us down roads that are particular, familiar. Some of them seem like we've already went down these roads before. Roads that are difficult. Some roads that are easy. You know, some roads look like they're full of hope. There's faithfulness in there in your season. Other roads look like it's just full of happiness and joy. And then some roads we go down, and it looks like everybody around us has everything. There's plentiful in their life. They are just feasting on all these things that they have, while some places in the world have little of nothing, and they're fasting. Other roads may feel like your landscape is stagnant. Maybe you're going down a season in your life where it feels dry, it feels stagnant. You feel like you're not connected to God right now, and you don't know what's happening. Even some roads, you know, are paths of depression, Paths of regrets, paths of loneliness, addictions. The simple thing is, is we're all going down roads and seasons of life. But no matter where you're currently at, there's no fulfillment without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no lasting joy. We have no lasting hope. There's no lasting future without Jesus involved in the middle. Honestly, if you want to be real honest, you can find a pothole in every road. Every road has some form of a twist, some form of trash littered along the side. It's only by living with Jesus as our co-pilot that we understand that his plans are far greater than any pothole that we may face. His plans are greater than any speed bump that we may encounter. And honestly, his plans are greater than any flat tire when we get frustrated on the side of the road. It's only through Jesus that we can understand the rumble strips on the side of the road that he is trying to correct us and put us in the right path. You know how when you're driving down the road and you start texting somebody and your car starts veering off and you feel the rumble strips because it's meant to correct you and put you on the right path. It's only through Jesus that we understand these things in our life. And it's through the revelation of the Holy Spirit that we realize that we need to get rid of sin and garbage that litters our landscape. Every one of us have some closet something 
that we need to get rid of and give over to Jesus. And no matter what, what path you're going down in life, Jesus wants to meet you where you're at. I will tell you, I've went down many paths in my life of addictions, of depression, of regrets, of anger, of frustration. And I will tell you, Jesus met me where I was at. When I was sitting right there on the second row for two and a half years, high on drugs before I came into church, Jesus still met me where I was at. And that's what he wants to do with everybody. He wants to meet you where you're at and bring you home. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the story of Paul's conversion. So through the story, you're going to hear me say Saul and Paul, and I'm talking about the same character. Because the truth is, before we know who, you know who Paul is, we need to know who Saul was. It's a great story because it shows us that every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. It shows us that every saint has a future glory and every sinner has a future hope. And that is Jesus Christ. So who was Paul? We're going to have a go over Paul's life real quick. We're first introduced to Saul in a very obscure passage in the New Testament, Acts chapter 7. It said he actually had a lot to do with the first Christian martyr, which was Stephen. It said after they stoned him, they laid their robes in front of him. So here's the man that we know as Paul, one of the greatest apostles in the, in the New Testament, had something to do with the first death of, some, of a Christian martyr. Paul was born in Tarsus. Tarsus was a province in, in Sicilia. <laughs> My tongue twister. Tarsus was a very rich, affluent place. It was a place that, that had many colleges. It was like an Ivy League place where you could get a real education. You know, it was a hub that just had tremendous commerce. There was so many people there. You know, Saul was deep in his religion, and he was a highly educated young man. You know, he studied under a, name, uh, a man named Gamaliel. I can't, I can't pronounce some of these names. <laughs> Pastor Ron does it so good. Gamaliel was a master teacher at the time. And not just anybody could just sit under there under his teaching. You had to be chosen he, to be his pupil. He had to handpick you because you stood above your other classmates. You know, and under his teaching, Paul, he just excelled amongst all his peers. Here's a man that's confident because he is, he's doing better than everybody around him. In Galatians 5, it even says that he was advancing, you know, in Judaism beyond the people of his own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions. He was the son of a very prominent, wealthy Jewish family. And we know this because Paul was a Roman citizen. You couldn't be a Roman citizen, you know, unless you had some kind of class about you. Not just every Jew in that time could be a Roman citizen. Reflecting on his past, you know, if anyone tried to boast about something, it was Paul had all, all the abilities to boast about it. Philippians 3 says, If anyone thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more than anybody. Circumcised on the eighth day, which was the, the real tradition of the Old Testament of the law. And then it says, Of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin, it was a well-respected tribe. That was where King David came from. And he is saying, I am from that tribe. A Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Here was a man who was high in his day. He was way up there. He thought he was, you know, just the king of his own world. Saying that concerning the righteousness of the law, he is blameless. That's a huge statement. There's over 600 laws and precepts in the Old Testament. And he is saying that I am the man. 
You know, if you were a Jew at that time, you're saying, I want my kid to be like him. You know, he is like the Tom Brady of football. He is like the man. It's very important also to know that Saul, by birth, was a Jew. By citizenship, a Roman. By education, he was a Greek. And later in the story that we're going to find out, by the grace of God, he becomes a Christian. And he is a very unique man. Like many of the Pharisees, you know, he expected that the enthusiasm of that time, you know, of the, of the apostles and those that were, were given the teachings of Jesus, he thought that they would die with Christ on Calvary. Instead, the enthusiasm of the time just increased. People were all about Jesus. And here was something coming against all his beliefs. The people came a threat to what Saul held dear, and he began a persecution campaign. Acts chapter 8, verse 3 says, Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them into prison. The act of persecuting Christians consumed him. Revenge became his every way of life. Nothing else mattered. Nothing else was important. So my question is, what consumes you? What's causing a roadblock in your life between you and Jesus? You know, maybe somebody watching online tonight hasn't even met Jesus. You know, what is that secret thing that's holding you back from taking the next step? Well, our first point we're going to make is we're going to see that a sinner is recognized. As we continue the story, we now meet Saul on the road to Damascus. His success at persecuting the disciples of Jesus was, had been so great that they fled Jerusalem. They went to other towns and other villages to escape the persecution at that time. Acts 9, verse 1 through 2, it says, Then Saul, breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if anyone found who were of the way... And when they say the way, they're talking about people who follow Jesus because they were, you know, Jesus said, I am the way. You know, I am the truth and I am the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. So that's why they were called the way because they were, this was their teaching at the time. It says, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So here we have, it's Damascus. It's about 140 miles from Jerusalem. Today we can travel this distance in about 30 minutes by air, maybe about three hours by car. And then here's Saul. He's having to walk this journey. It takes about a week for a healthy man to walk a journey like this. The Bible also tells us that he had some men with him to act sort of like, you know, police to escort any of the Christians and prisoners that they may apprehend. You know, these men were not members of Pharisees. Uh, they were members of the Sanhedrin. So, you know, they were not considered Paul's equal at the time. So I would imagine that Paul walked ahead of them with all this pride, all this confidence, all his education. And that he, I, I could imagine him walking in front of them like he is the man that I'm coming to and I'm getting these people. Walking 140 miles for a week when you leave a man or a woman with their thoughts and all they're doing is walking. I can imagine that he is, he's saying some things that are pretty, pretty nasty and pretty ugly. I could imagine that he is just full of rage and full of anger and full of hatred, full of resentment about these people trying to come against him. There's people watching online tonight or maybe even here, and we're holding grudges against people. That's not what we're supposed to do as Christians. We're supposed to love our neighbors. 
But I could imagine as Paul's walking with all his arrogance and all his pride and all his education that he is just, he is on the road for revenge. Acts 9 verse 3 goes on to say, As he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. I think it's pretty interesting that it says the light shone around him because in reality, light covers darkness. The light of Jesus can cover any darkness in your life. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you are blanketed by a new life, a new light. That is Christ that's living within you. Then it goes on to tell us, Then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So he trembled and astonished and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The tone here that Paul, or Saul, is saying is that he is in the presence of something greater than himself. As he is saying, Lord, Lord, he knows it's something that's greater than himself. When the bright light of heaven shone down upon Saul, a sinner actually recognized the true sovereignty of God. I remember when I finally gave my life to Jesus, I finally realized the sovereignty of God. I found how good he was. All the filth, all the sin, all the depression, all the anger, it was all wiped clean because we have a God who is sovereign. He doesn't care about your past. He only cares about your future. So we see a sinner submit and surrender to God's will. Lord, what do you want me to do? And a sinner is told specifically what to do. Go into the city. Paul alludes to this experience as being the beginning of his Christian life in Galatians 1, 15-16. He says, but before I was even born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Every one of us in this room or watching online, no matter where you're at, no matter you know, if you're on the fence, you were chosen before you were even born. God handcrafted you in your mother's womb for a purpose, for a future, for a future hope. For a future mission. Because without Jesus, we don't realize that, that we have a purpose. That is to go into the world and help all these sinners come to the same sovereign God that we serve. At the focal point of this awesome experience was Jesus. Paul didn't have a dream, but he saw, he didn't see a vision, but he saw a risen Christ. See, Paul recognized Jesus as Lord, admitted his wrongdoing, and surrendered his life to Jesus and made plans to obey. And maybe that's what some of us need to do in our life today. Maybe there's some areas in our life that we just need to surrender and submit to God and let him work, you know, on our behalf and get rid of these things. Maybe there's some of you online who are just have no hope, but you need to surrender to Jesus because he is the only way. None of the things of this world, there's no pills, there's no, there's no inspirational message that has a future hope besides Jesus. It's, it's the word of Jesus and have a relationship with him that changes all your past. All Jesus wants is your heart. Once he has your heart, he has everything else. He'll have your finances, your family, everything else. Jesus just wants your heart. Verse 7 goes on to tell us, 
And the man who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by hand and brought him to Damascus. Here's a, man, here's a story of a man super confident, super proud, thinking he's better than everybody. And now he can't see. Now he's needing help. And now he's having to be led by his hand. That's a story of pride. You know, how many times have we had a prideful situation in our life and we don't want, we don't want nobody to help because we're going to figure it out on our own? You know, sometimes we need people to help guide us. Guide us where we need to be. Take our hand and walk beside us. We're not meant to do this alone. You know, sometimes to open somebody's eyes, you actually have to take their eyesight. Sometimes to, to let people know that there's a better plan, sometimes you have to blind them of their, of their present moment. You know, when my wife was going to leave me, that was a moment in my life that made me realize that I'm blinded now. I'm fixing to lose everything I have. And there's only one way out, and that's through Jesus. It's the redemption story. There's another part of the story that I want to talk about. Where the Lord sends a believer. You know, there's many saints here. There's many saints watching. And sometimes the Lord just needs a believer. Sometimes he needs somebody that's willing to go and help the sinner. Sometimes he needs somebody to go and take the hand of somebody who really needs help. The very men in Damascus, Damascus that Paul had come to destroy were now going to be his teachers. What a crazy story. And when Ananias comes into the story, you know, he's called by God to go get Saul. The Lord sent a servant to come aside him, disciple him, and help turn Saul into Paul. When you're ministering to somebody, you never could even truly understand the magnitude of the person that you're actually helping find Christ. You never know if it's going to be the next Billy Graham or Pastor Vaughn or Pastor Ron. But even Ananias had a hard time to do this, which was God's plan. Acts 9.13 says, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from, from many about this man how much harm he has done to all your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who come against him. We instantly see Ananias as a Christian who, who is doubting. Doubting what the Lord's trying to do. You know, many people give an excuse as to why God's plan won't always work. How many times have we sat in prayer praying about something and we're saying there ain't no way this is going to happen. God's plans are greater than any of our imagination. Ananias automatically has a negative response. Not him, Lord. Lord, he would never turn into a Christian. But even so, when God called Ananias, he still responded. Even if you have a, an inkling of a doubt, we still must respond to God's call. He puts his hands on Paul's eyes and the scales fall off as Paul's world came back into focus. He could see again. And Ananias came not just to help Paul see with his eyes, but also see with his heart. To see that Jesus was the risen Christ. That Jesus is the way. Here is a Christian who prayed for Paul, who baptized Paul in the name of Jesus. One man went under the water that day and came out another man. 
because a Christian came aside of him and helped him. We should not restrict God. We should not put God in a box. Because God could do anything for anyone. I mean, if we look at the Bible, it is a story of God going after those who are lost, who are hurt, who are down, who feel like they're hopeless. So don't ever put God in a box and think that, that he can't move mountains. God can save anyone, even you. Even if you're wandering around in the dark tonight, Jesus wants to invite you into his light and to have all your eyes open. No matter what the darkness looks like, the light is always greater. You can look at Ephesians 1.18. Paul says, I pray that the eyes open of your heart. Sorry, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be open so that you may know the hope to which he has called you. There is a future hope for everyone. We must follow God's direction to reach individuals in all places. You know, God ultimately wants to use us to restore others. We are a chosen saint for a special mission. We all have a mission, and God needs us to partner with him. Our third topic is, why was Paul even chosen? Why did God chose somebody like Paul? Acts 9, 15 says, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him many things that he must suffer for my name's sake. See, the Lord wasn't worried about his past. He was worried about his future. That's all the Lord is worried about us. You take that garbage and you throw it away. You take that hurt. You take those unanswered prayers. And you keep praying about them because God has a future purpose for all your prayers. See, God doesn't promise us that life is going to be easy. In fact, Jesus even tells us that here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because he has overcome the world. And Paul would actually do this. He would actually suffer over his faith. 2 Corinthians 11, 23-27. Paul says, I have been put in prison more often. I've been whipped many times without number. I have faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders came and gave me 30, 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I had spent the whole night adrift at sea. I've had, I've had to travel long journeys. I've faced dangers from rivers, from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and in the seas. And I have faced danger from all the men who claim to be believers who are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I have hungered and I have thirsted more so often and gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep warm. See, God calls us to responsibility, not relief. He vows to be with us through everything we face. Paul never stopped doing what he was doing, no matter what he encountered. Don't ever give up. Just keep going. Don't ever give up. No matter what you're going with, just don't give up. Just keep pushing forward because God has a hope. God has a plan. Just keep pushing forward. Paul shows us that he went through so much for the name of Jesus. And in Colossians 3, it says, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. 
Because that is our mission on earth. We are working for the Lord. We ain't working for this world. Ananias discovered Paul, and he knew what to do. Submission to the Holy Spirit, he, he followed Jesus' command. And that's to love each other, just as I have loved you. It's pretty interesting that Paul recounts Ananias in Acts 22. He says, a man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living here. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. In that very moment, I was able to see. I can recount people in my life that were like Ananias. And without them, I don't know where I would be. Somebody gave me more than one chance and one opportunity. If there's somebody in your life that you've been praying for, that you've been trying to seek, that you've been trying to go after, you just keep going after that person because eventually they're going to they're give in to it. They're going to give in to Jesus. Just don't give up. Just be that person that comes along the side of sinner and you take their hand and you lead them to where they need to be. Just don't give up pursuing somebody who's lost. And one day they're going to say, in that very moment I was able to see because you stood beside me. In conclusion, so how does this whole story apply to us today? See, God's word pricks a sinner's heart. And even Christians need a little bit of prodding sometimes to do what they're told. See, God had something drastic to get a man's attention. Sometimes that's what he has to do in our life. Some of us may have a you know, a Damascus Road experience, and some of us may just have a closet experience where God just comes down on you and just you're full of emotion and God's trying to, to tell you and speak to you. Either way, God is trying to speak to you. See, God had to do something drastic, and maybe he does to some of you. Maybe some of you online that God has to do something drastic to get your attention. Well, I want you to know that tonight you have an opportunity to start over. I don't know exactly what that means for you or for you online, but I will say God does. God knows them little things that you need to give up, those little things that you need to, to cast away, that little bit of trash that's on the side of your road that you're traveling. God knows it. You can't choose the past, but you can change your future. I want to say that again for you online. that You can't choose your past, but you can change your future. You could change your future by accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Also, many of us who are, who are saved and born again and we are saints and we're, you know, we're devout, we're in the Word, we pray, and you know, we're faithful to our faith. Today, we even have an opportunity to start over. And we can become an Ananias in somebody's life, to come alongside of them, take their hand, encourage them, uplift them, disciple them in the ways of the Lord. Don't look at your coworkers as a lost cause. Look at, at it as a mission field. You just show the glory of God to everybody, and eventually it's going to rub off on somebody. Tonight, I have three takeaways I want to give. The very first takeaway is to take a step. Take a step tonight and receive Jesus. For you online, take a step. If you've never taken a step forward, take one tonight and receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Every Christian has a past. And every Christian has a future. Jesus wants to rescue you wherever you're at. Yes, 
2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, that, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and all the things have become new. When you were in Christ, all the past is gone, and you were a new creation. You have a clean slate. The second takeaway is be transformed. Transformation is a change. It's a renewal from the life that you no longer want to live. So many people are just comfortable with their depression. It's time to transform that. This is accomplished by renewing our minds. It is inward and spiritual transformation. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is not focusing on the ways of the world, focusing on social media, but it's focusing on the Word of God, focusing on what Jesus is trying to do in your life. Focus on your future. Focus on your future glory, your future hope. Your future is in heaven, your future. Don't focus on the things of this world because they're all carnal and they're just not going to last. You transform your mind by focusing only on Jesus. And the third thing is take a step and tell your story. Everybody has a story to tell. That is your testimony. That is your Saul to Paul type experience. That is your sinner to saint type experience. That is the healing type experience. Everybody, we're, everybody has a testimony. You know, today is a testimony. There was things you've overcome today. There were sicknesses that have been overcome. There's diseases that's been overcome. These are testimonies. You have a book of life and God is still creating testimonies in your life to share and relate to all the people that are around you. Share your testimony. Don't hide what God has done in your life. So tonight, for you online or for you here, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I would like to say a salvation prayer. Dear Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you've died on the cross for my sins. And you did what I could not do for myself. Lord, I turn from my sins and I turn from my wicked ways and I just repent from all my past. Lord, I invite you to come into my life and ask you to take control. I give it to you, Lord, from this day forward. Help me every day to just get closer and closer to you. Help me to trust you every day through every situation, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If that's the first time you've ever said that, that's the first step. The next step is continually be with the Lord. Be in prayer. Read your Bibles. Read the Word of God as it applies to your life every day. It is a, an instruction manual. That's your first step. Accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Next, spend time with God. You know, you have 24 hours in the day. What are you going to do with your day? I encourage everyone to try to spend more time with God.